direct from the middle of nowhere to the center of everywhere. It's Beneath the Surface with Sean Murphy and Corey Cooper. Earmuffs. Holy cow, dude. <laughs> I think you just destroyed, I think you just broke my microphone. You might want to sound check you. Is it working? I think we're is working. It, I think it's thing, working. Is this thing live? It's live, dude. All right, cool. Uh, hey, everyone in podcast land. Welcome to another crazy episode of Beneath the Surface. We've had, again, we've had equipment issues. <laughs> Every day. It's, it's like, we're doing we, we got exa- plenty of time. We've got two hours. We're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. In, the, in the early days, this was simple in COVID lockdown because we had basically nothing else to do uh, besides sit in a, a room in a basement. <laughs> And and talk on microphones. And so we had it set up. It was good to go. Now we're basically interrupting our daily lives to to bring to you guys this glorious, wonderful uh, piece of humanity, otherwise known as Beneath the Surface Podcast. <laughs> uh, I'd, li- I'd like to write it. I'd like to know who's listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, have we done any kind of research? Or is is there anybody look, out there? <laughs> is anyone listening? Is anyone listening? Let us know. Yeah, send, uh, in fact, reply to this one. Send, yeah. send an email to, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I can't be throwing it Susie email. at boatboard.com. <laughs> and tell her how much you loved the podcast. Yeah. That's S-U-Z-Y at, at boatboard.com. That's right. She's, she's very pleasant to deal with, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm sure she'll, <laughs> she'd love your message. But at least it would give us some sort of reference. I mean, come on, we yeah. have, we see the all the Jeff and the marketing guys. They've got to see all the the numbers and stuff behind this, right? You would think. I've never heard any. I've never heard any feedback, good or otherwise. Well, they probably don't want to actually tell you if they're good or not because yeah. that means we're going to have to keep going. Yeah. So here we are uh, today. We, we're going to let's talk about something that's near and dear to you because you you live in it, dude. Uh, you know, people probably they they've heard you a lot on the show. They've seen stuff about your career and stuff, but I think what's interesting, what I, at least I found the most interesting when I first met you was your your little setup, your compound, especially the one in L.A. <laughs> and then what you've got going on here. You know, we, we did video shoots and stuff on you in L.A. and shot your whole compound. Uh, describe, to, describe to everybody what this place looked like when, when you lived in L.A. and how long you lived there. Well, I was in Los, An- Los Angeles for 26 years. And I had lived in a, a few different places throughout the valley and Hollywood and downtown Los Angeles to Calabasas. Because it's kind of like the, from east to west. As far as you can go east, as far as you can go west. Except on the beach. Never could live on the beach. But, because I couldn't afford it. But um, the one you're referring to was in Canoga Park, which lies in the dirty part of the valley, somewhere between... Mm, Reseda and Studio City, kind of on the border of West Hills, kind of Sherman <laughs> Way. If you know Los Angeles, you know where this is. Um, kind of, <clears throat> that, it was a cement a cement pumping business that was wedged between a mosque and a Vietnamese-owned mechanic shop, <laughs> and right directly across the street was the free clinic. For you whatever, know, whatever. Yeah, hold on, and concrete pumps. So this was a concrete factory. Concrete factory, yeah. And then down the block was just more, you know, commercial. Commercial. It was just a commercial space area. A couple of strip clubs. My back door was 
buttered up to the back door of Godfathers, which is a, a an all nude kind of low level strip club for construction work. Great place to raise the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I had uh, <laughs> so I I won't get into too much details. Right, actually, when I moved into that place, it's right around the time I met you because I that I, I mark everything in my life kind of. Uh, I, it's kind of before sobriety and after sobriety. So I, I actually had a photo studio next to this cement pumping factory, which was my office. And then I went to rehab. And then when I got out of rehab in 2008, the guys that were next door, these these burly meth head uh, cement workers that owned the building, their dad owned it for like a million years. It was they're like jo- half jokingly, "Hey man, you want to rent our place?" Because their business wasn't doing it very well, whatever. And I looked in there, and I was like, I mean, it was a shithole. I think at one time it was a doctor's office. It was like years and millions of years of linoleum layers and cottage cheese ceilings and divided by offices and wood paneling. And the backyard was just kind of closed. It was just walls with cement pumps and... It's hard to describe this place. You, we got a lot of pictures. I mean, you've got a lot, of, a lot of pictures. And I I went in and I think they wanted like not a lot for it. I think I paid like 2500 bucks a month, which in LA is pretty cheap. And my girlfriend, who's my wife now, she was like, "Yeah, see you later." <laughs> and she moved back to Detroit. She's like, "I'm not having any part of that." Because hold on, you this was this was uh, mixed use. You were gonna be living. I was gonna live. Well, I said to them, I said, "Can I rent your place? Are you cool if I live in it too?" And they're like, "We won't. Yeah, it's fine, but we're not having anything to do with it because it's illegal." So I went in there. I remember my kids were little at that point. Now they're nineteen and twenty, and I have two nineteen-year-olds and a twenty-year-old. But at the time, they were like, you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. And I had them in there. And my ex-wife lived in Woodland Hills in this nice house. And I would get the kids every other week. And the kids were over there. We were, I had them. We were chipping up linoleum with like hand chip. I didn't know there was. Uh, what is that? Mesophilia? What do you um, get? Asbestos. Asbestos. I didn't know that that was in there. I was, you know, chipping off. God. So, I mean, it was, we we gutted this place. We turned it into this kind of oasis, an artist kind of oasis. And I had these really big fences built for the front. So, also, side note, this was the uh, Alabama Street Gang territory. So, it was like three square blocks of owned or run by this gang called the Alabama Street Gang. You can Google them. They're really big in L.A. And uh, an M- M- MS-30 MS, uh, or 80, whatever that ba- they are called. Very dangerous drugs and, and guns and all that. And so when I first started sleeping in this place, there was no bathroom. There was no shower. There was a bathroom. There's no shower, no kitchen. So I showered out behind the cement pumps with a hose and a bar of soap like if you were in prison. Or I think prison's even better than this. And then I'd eat off a hot plate that was plugged into some thing outside, whatever. It was basically like camping. It was camping, and it was scary. And at night, you'd hear people running across the roof. I didn't know what that was at first. And then the cops stopped by, and they introduced themselves. And they said, hey, listen, if you hear, you won't see anything at night, but just know that these gang kids, they, they all patrol the roofs. And, and then I go, ah. That's gang kids on my roof. So then I went out and got a couch at the thrift store. I put a couch on the roof for the kids without saying anything. And I just kind of started secretly contributing to my neighborhood. So I would be accepted because I was the only white guy in the neighborhood too. And then one night 
I was sitting in there at like three in the morning, just editing or doing something late night, and they saw some someone saw some lights on. So this this old Mexican guy comes over, probably I don't know, six years old, handlebar mustache, sunglasses, pulls up in his car with a pizza. He knocks, bangs on my door, and goes, "I'm like, oh shit, should I answer the door?" But I answer the door, and he goes, "Hey man." He goes, the neighborhood sent me over here to find out what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> they think you're a cop, you know, because it's just a weird yeah, setup. Yeah. But eventually, over time, you know, I w- my cars would get fixed by the, the neighborhood, and I became friends with the mosque, and every I, I integrated easily into the neighborhood. My kids became accepted, although they did have to put their money in their socks when they walked around. I sent them to the store because they would get, you know, beat up by the other kids in the neighborhood. So it was a little mm-hmm. bit of a rough but but then when their week was up with me they could go back to the fancy house in woodland hill so they kind of got a little bit of both worlds which i think was a pretty good growing up experience i do have regrets now that i'm not with my kids and i'm back in florida i i i wake up in cold sweats can't believe that my kids actually lived in a place like that for 10 years but at the same time it was safe i think and uh it was a creative place it was a lot of action going on there. A lot of bands. Dude, I've seen. I've seen so many photos. Dude, you do sh- you do shit in your giant parking lot, like photo shoots, and had you know I mean, listen, fires. Yeah, listen. I you know, people from France would be in town. They would just actors from all over the world. It just became kind of a thing. And so I would know like makeup artists or uh, you know uh, stylists or photographers or casting agents, and then they would know people from other countries and. When they, they would just call me on the, hey, I got so-and-so from France, a really famous actor, can they come by? People would just always just show up and shoot. So I remember one time I was sitting in the backyard, I had this motorhome that I used as a prop, and I had like all these French people in a motorhome dressed up. It was like a Fellini movie. Yeah, and I was yeah. shooting in there, and uh, <laughs> I'll put pictures of this on, on this, it's crazy. And then my kid, I look out the, the window of the motorhome, I'm in there with like five French people, that do, and two of them were outside, nobody speaks any English. We're just doing everything with hand. And I look out the window and I see my kid walking towards the motorhome with another kid and his mom. Like, kids would say, their parents would drop them off to this place and go, Like, your friends. Like, what is going on? Like, the kids from school, you know? Yeah, yeah. But they would leave their kids. I couldn't believe anyone would let their kids stay the night. The shower was out in the parking lot. And another side note, we shared a backyard with another door that was our next door neighbor, and that's where the community uh, community service place was. Like if you got like a DUI or whatever, you had to go there, check in in the morning, you had to go clean the neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. Well, they met in my backyard every morning, so all we had uh, blocking the, the shower to the backyard was a black sheet. And you could, so you could hear them all out back, preparing for the day, all the criminals, and then you were just there taking a shower. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm skipping all over the place. One of the best stories I have of this place is, um, well, there's two. But one of them was Easter. I just came back from here shooting with you, and I got home. It was Easter Sunday. I had my kids, and I was in my bedroom. I also raised alligator snapping turtles. I had a crocodile in there, iguanas, sulcata tortoises, chickens. There was animals everywhere, and all these crazy things that I made for them in the backyard. So oftentimes people would just be out back talking to my creatures. So I'm sitting in my room watching The Perfect Storm, one of my favorite movies. I'm Mark, dr- I'm oh, Mark Wahlberg. Love it, dude. Drinking coffee, and I hear some chitter-chatter out back, and I'm like thinking, oh, this is a community. Somebody's out back talking to my iguana or something. 
So I look on my monitors. I have cameras all over my house. Looks like it looks like that scene from Scarface when they're getting in, invaded by all the. You know, the, the other people are coming to get them, and you look on the... They're everywhere. They're, I have monitors everywhere, so I can just look on his TV screen, and I can see the perimeter of my place. So I look on my monitor, and I see cops, like 30 of them, jump, climbing down the walls, traversing... Like movies. Co- like a movie. Like, they're on the, the cement mixers. They're coming over the fences. They're surrounding my building. There's a helicopter. I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. And, I, and so I hear them out back. And I look through my people and I see cop, like three cops with shotguns. And I, I crack the door open. My kids are sleeping right behind my feet, like in a God, little room dude. right there. And I open the door, crack it open, and they all just point their guns at me. Get you, get on the, put your hands up, get on the ground, motherfucker. You know that kind of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, and to their defense, like this place doesn't. It's not a house. No one's supposed to be living. But when you go inside, it's an oasis. It's I've set up this killer in so it's not what it looks like from the outside so they didn't know what who i was or what this place was all they know that they, they i find out later that someone had called 911 and said there was a white male by the cement mixer with a gun mm. and very specific and there's only one white dude in the neighborhood anyway so that was so they 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 handcuffed me and they brought me and hooked me up to the back of my truck in the backyard and then they all went in the house stormed my house and i said my kids are in there be careful and then they bring my kids out in a line they just woke up barefoot in their pajamas in the backyard and my son trip little bastard he has his pot he has his uh uh what are those uh, not the iphone but the the little ipod i i what is the little one the ipod I, uh, I, the, the little you know you can record videos it looks like an iphone but it's a uh, not an ipad the little thing Anyway, he's got a recording device, some eye, some eye, some, some eye, something, and he's recording low by his waist everything, and he's recording me in handcuffs. And I'm like thinking, Jesus, this is all my ex-wife needs. Perfect. Now this is perfect, and so after a series of, uh, you know, after a little bit of time, they 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 find out that it's a false thing and they let me go. And then right as they're leaving, they're like, Oh, you're cool. Uh, by, uh, do you guys want a picture with us? And I'm like, hell yeah. So I went, ran in the house, got my camera, and I have a picture of my three sons out in the alley. I arranged it. Of course, I set it all. all There's like 20 cops with like, you know, AKs and shotguns and all posing behind my kids. And that's kind of how that ended. But so then you left LA. Well, you know, you've, you, it was your life goal to get back to Florida. Yeah. So we lived in there for about 10 years and, uh, you know, it's a long story, but I just felt like my my you know boat was a big push for me to move back here because we had you know been working together. It was getting more and more, and I really enjoy my job and I enjoy Florida. I I grew up here. My friends are here. My kids graduated high school. There's a lot of reasons that came together at the same time to make that decision. So my wife and I, Rafi, bought. A, we had been looking for a building in Fort Walton Beach for about a year and. We ended up purchasing a, it was an old dance studio when I was a kid in the 80s, and uh, it's on. It's in close to downtown Fort Walton. It was kind of in a shambles, I don't know, 3,000 square foot, something like that. And we, we gutted it and created a, our, our, a custom version of like what we'd always what dreamed of, what I've always wanted in Los Angeles, but could never afford. And I kind of always tried to make that happen in LA. And I bought, and I, we bought in a gritty neighborhood cause we were, we feel comfortable in 
in those type of neighborhoods, and I, I like the vibe and the people, and and so we we rebuilt this space, and it's magical, and and we're just we're still working on it, but it's it's about ninety percent done, and um, you got all your stuff. Well, that's what's cool, man. When you walk in there, you've got it's basically wide open where you've got your your studio, your photography studio, you be able to shoot, you know, all that kind of stuff, and you've got just tons of works all your old polaroids uh on the wall from you know all the rock stars and all that shit you've shot yeah it's 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 really cool and the 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 biggest part of everything for me in my life and my personality and my wife's personality is we just like we like people i mean it's weird because sometimes i don't like people but most I, i really like having people around i like inspiration and i like constant inflow of you know Friends, artists, neighborhood people, just kind of always adding to the chaos. What are you doing right now? You've been doing it big on social media, sharing, like, uh, your fence. So, yeah, so we have a, a big piece of property, and, and, a, and you know, like I said, we're in kind of a Section 8 neighborhood, and there's not a lot of, you know, a lot of great people, but not a lot of pr- pretty things there. And our house is, you know, big gray building, so I thought it'd be cool to invite, you know, whoever wanted to paint on this giant fence come and, and add to the, the neighborhood and we've had I don't know at this point 20 to 30 great artists kids adults all and everything in between have been painting the fence for the last couple of weeks uh, and one of the, the the best things for me uh, on this spot is we built a bunker so uh, all my negatives and life's work up to from 1993 to 2006 have always been in a cold storage off-site in Los Angeles so it's very hard to get to those things if I have an idea like oh I want to I want to scan a Weezer picture and then post it or whatever I had to go there was it took me half a day and now I have it there I've set it up I've got it actually as long as you don't get a fire with all that nitrate if a fire happens I'm done yeah you know but that's just kind of you know you risk for reward you'll have to post some photos uh if you got progress photos of the wall and stuff for this podcast be pretty cool yeah, very cool. So and just some photos of all the stuff, just so people can get a good look at it of the the, the space behind the crazy artistic mind. Yeah, and it's and it's literally like five seconds from our boat warehouse where it all where I spend a lot of my time. So it's really convenient. It's cool. Yep. You guys check it out. Uh, thanks for giving us inviting us into your house mentally. It's pretty cool, man. All right, welcome. All right, well, you guys stay tuned for some more episodes beneath the surface and uh, check out any of the past episodes if you missed them. Like I said, uh, they're all filled with wacky, zany, quirky things. <laughs> Wee! Uh, uh, <laughs> maybe not a lot of goobble, but hope you guys find it interesting and stay tuned for more beneath the surface. Later.